Today we have a conversation with Mark Miller, who's CEO of Westwater Construction and Villa Moda. We have a wide-ranging conversation about the construction industry and some of the trends that have occurred over the years in Sarasota, as well as uh, the various design trends. And then it was also a lot of fun to have a little diversion speaking about sport fishing in Sarasota. Mark's an avid boater and fisherman, so we, we had a great talk about some of the things that you can expect boating around Sarasota. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mark Miller. Welcome to the Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, buddy. <laughs> well, thanks for having me here in this beautiful new office. And uh, I feel um, privileged to, uh, I, I think you said, is this your first uh, podcast in this actual location? That is correct. Yes, you get to break it in for us. Couldn't think of a better guest. <laughs> wow. So I thought we'd uh, just start at the beginning and get into the story. If I recall, you started Westwater Construction in 91, was it? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'd love to learn more about uh, where the inspiration came to start the business and, you know, just go from there. Okay, well, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> and, uh, you know, usually people don't hear this story unless there's some drinking involved because it kind of <laughs> drags on, but uh, we'll, we'll do a... A condensed version. Um, so uh, circa 1990, I was uh, going to school in Tampa. I happened to uh, come back to Sarasota for spring break. Okay. Um, there was a club that uh, a lot of my high school friends and I would go to in the Golf Gate area. And I believe it was uh, the club's name was Functions or Function. Okay. I and uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> probably a little before your time there. We were so. here in '98, so okay. I, yeah, but I was I was still a teenager, so I wasn't you know going out too much quite then. <laughs> right, right. Okay, Our, my age is showing. So uh, I'm out at the club at night, and I run into a buddy of mine from high school who. Uh, uh, we were on the, we did sports together, weightlifting team, football. He drives up in a brand new Corvette and, uh, and I knew he hadn't been going to college and, uh, you know, being kind of young and, uh, ignorant to how things work. I was really blown away that this, uh, I guess he would have been, uh, 20 years old, which, uh, oops, I guess I was 20, so I was, I, statue of limitations, right? I can't get in trouble for being in there with a the fake ID. Um, so anyways, uh, his name was Derek, and uh, Derek said to me, well, I asked him, you know, how he got this new Corvette, and he told me that uh, he was doing tile work. Okay. And I said, tile work, wow. So uh, he said, yeah, and he said, uh, you want to make some extra money while you're on your spring break? And I was like, sure, I was game for that. And I had worked in construction uh, throughout the whole time I was in uh, college up to that point, actually in roofing. So I said, sure, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll come work with you for this week that I'm off. And, uh, you know, let's, yeah, I want to earn the money. So mm -hmm. I go to work with Derek and uh, we work every day. And, um, you know, I get a nice suntan and we're, we're outside <laughs> actually doing pool tile. And so, uh, evidently, I did a good job for Derek, and uh, at the end of the week, he, he said, well, you know, what are you doing this summer? Do you want to come back and work with me over the summer? Mm -hmm. 
And I said, well, I'm thinking Corvette, you know, uh, <laughs> outside getting some sun. Sure, why not? Mm -hmm. So um, basically I, I came back um, for the summer and uh, went to work with Derek. And within two or three weeks, uh, he offered me a partnership in this business and uh you know really never looked back and wow. school was pretty much over mm -hmm. and uh, i went on to work with derek for about oh four or five months and uh very quickly i decided that there was more um in this business than just working with with derek and uh i ended up branching off on my own okay and uh, one of the general contractors that we used to work with at the time took me under his wing and uh, assisted me in getting my uh, contractor's license. Okay. So uh, by 1991, I had started, uh, uh, started the company Westwater Construction. Mm -hmm. It was not incorporated at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, we initially started out doing tile work and small renovations and uh slowly built it up from there the difference of what we did is that um i started uh doing very high-end work mm -hmm. which is not how typically you get into construction most right. people would start in a different you know on a lower end scale so my initial projects were on siesta key bird key uh you know higher end areas mm -hmm. longboat key so uh, I was very fortunate to get into uh, that market um, at such a young age. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, what I actually did that really helped the company is I hired someone much older than I was and uh, much more experienced. And uh, even though he worked for me, I actually <laughs> uh, was really learning from him. Right. That's cool. And so. when I think of Westwater now, I think a very high-end custom residential projects is is that a fair way to think of how you're positioned now or are is there i know because i know you do some commercial projects as well or what are you mostly comprised of these days would you say um so that that's that's a good question um so over the years we've done everything from um obviously residential but we've done um, multi-family residential uh, we've built banks before, we've done medical facilities, uh, manufacturing facilities, uh, even some schoolwork, hmm. um, not public, but on the private sector, uh, and done a lot of custom restaurants, including, okay. uh, one that, uh, is named after your, your company, uh, Shore. We did, <laughs> we did the original Shore on, uh, St. Armand Circle. I see. Not yeah. the one on Longboat. Right, right. Yeah. That turned out great. Uh, yeah, it's still still there, still doing well. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. So we've done a lot of different things over the years, but right now our focus, we've really kind of narrowed it down. Our focus is really ultra, ultra high-end luxury residential. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, our, our, our typical um, client is we do design, build, um, and furnish. Mm -hmm. And we also have a, a sister company, Villa Moda, mm -hmm. which is our design business. And uh, we have some very uh, talented designers that work in that company. And uh, Villa Moda typically does 95% of Westwater's design work. Mm -hmm. And then Villa Moda does, uh, does work for a few other builders and clients uh, in the area. And then also... Um, 
also out of state, but okay. Westwater would have priority. I see. Would you say, I'm, I'm curious, because I've done a few residential projects, and I know in Sarasota County it can be a little challenging at times with permitting and things. Is it, is it easier or more difficult to do the high-end residential custom builds versus commercial, like a restaurant or something like that? How, how do those projects differ from each other, would you say? So, um, you know, well, there's a couple things to, to consider. You know, we've been here a long time. So we, we know the rules, mm -hmm. and I have employees that have relationships with people in the government, uh, whether it's Sarasota County, whether it's City of Sarasota, or even if it's the state of Florida, which mm -hmm. um, uh, has regulation over, like, beachfront properties. Right, right. Um, so to answer your question there, I, I think the residential side is um, – possibly a little easier mm -hmm. um but again you need to know the rules and they constantly change and i learn new things mm -hmm. every day you know like for example uh, uh the city of sarasota now is enforcing a new fema rule where uh you probably are aware but many properties that were conforming at a f at the current flood zone now have been changed to a new designation where mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's the FEMA flood zone plus one foot. Right, right. And so mm -hmm. I, I knew this had been happening, but it hadn't been enforced. Well, it's mm -hmm. being enforced now in the city mm -hmm. of Sarasota. So, um, you know, I think it's the it's the flexibility of knowing the rules and then just having the right people administer that within the local government for you. Right, right. And I know, you know, the with the high-end um, residential custom builds, the, the different styles and things, the genre of construction can vary widely. Is there a particular niche that you seem to do more often than other niches, or do you kind of do the whole thing, regard, you know, whatever the plans are, or, or is there a preference that you really like to do? <laughs> so, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question, and uh, as everybody knows, the, uh, you know, the old McMansion with you know, Mediterranean, uh, Italian, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, or, or a blend of that architecture uh, has, has gone away. Mm -hmm. However, um, we're finding that a lot of our new clients, especially that are from the Northeast, are coming here. They want more of a, a classic, timeless um, uh, design and architecture, more of like a Palm Beach style. Mm -hmm. And um, we're seeing that now. And uh, we actually have a couple projects that um, are of that of that era and of that style. And, you know, we used to be known for doing timeless and uh, we probably lost jobs 10 years ago because people thought that's all we did. Um, now we mainly do contemporary and, and modern. Mm -hmm. But I can say that it's kind of a breath of fresh air to have uh, a couple clients that we have right now that want that timeless feel. They're actually young. They're not older, mm -hmm. um, actually younger than I am. And uh, they, uh, it, it's just kind of nice. They're willing to keep things architecturally correct. They appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into um, some of these things. They, they appreciate handmade. And... Mm. Uh, you know, with their permission, I would love to come back. Um, mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, maybe in the fall when this project, or at least this first phase of the project is completed, and uh, share some of the uh, really cool design details uh, that we're doing. Yeah, that's great. And um, are there any unusual features that have become a bit more commonly requested now in terms of like just the way a home flows or the living space or? Uh, well, everything, um, you know, our, we've always been known for high end, but it seems like our clients now are asking for really high end features. And, uh, you know, for example, uh, we just finished a uh, penthouse in the new Ritz Carlton okay. that has a, a golf simulator in one of the rooms. Oh, wow. <laughs> that um, had to have been an engineering feat. <laughs> right. When mm -hmm. you consider that you're hitting a ball at, I don't know, what, 180 <laughs> miles an hour and you have to keep the sound down, right. not only in that particular residence, but also from the neighboring residences. Exactly. Um, so uh, anything tech-related is very popular today. We're... Uh, one of our projects, we're doing a brand new or a newer product from Lutron called Ketra Lighting. Okay. And this is this is the top of the top. I mean, a single light, and we're talking about down lights, like what's above me right now. Uh, you know, it's a, I think it's four hundred dollars for a light, mm -hmm. but what it's able to do is just astounding. The way it can change the color temperature based on the time of day and do mm. this automatically it's just it's unheard of technology so yeah. i guess to answer your question the technology side is what i would say 100 percent of our clients uh, have a lighting control system in their house now mm. and everything is is maybe a lot of your um followers we call it a smart house right right but, but this would be a smart house but to the, know, next to the next level. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I've heard that come up a few times actually, where the the lighting um, that's almost like a simulated sunrise and sunset temperature in the house is, yes. you know, that's a pretty cool feature, I guess, to help balance circadian rhythms of, and things. And you know, it's, uh, it's definitely next level. <laughs> it, it it really is, you know, and it's uh, I'm exciting or excited that uh, I think we'll have the only house in this region that has had the product. Our, our uh, integrator has never done this before, and okay. we actually put uh, uh, this client uh, has an integrator where they live in the Northeast, and we, uh, we put them together with our integrator um, just as a consultant just to help with this product. I see. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and speaking of the Northeast, um, you know, I'd be curious if you're, you know, is there any other locations that you're noticing a lot of your customers coming from aside from the Northeast or does it seem pretty heavily concentrated there? Um, cause I, I know what we're seeing on our end, but I'm curious always to hear what, what others are seeing out there. Yeah. So what's interesting. Um, so we get Northeast, um, we get West coast, mm -hmm. but what I think is most interesting is that people that stumble across Sarasota and um, you know it's amazing how much of a let's just say secret Sarasota has been for so many years for mm -hmm. what we all take for granted it's funny you bring someone here and they think of Florida and they think oh I need to be you know if I have a lot of money I'm either going to be in Palm Beach um, going to be somewhere in that area or maybe Naples mm -hmm. and they don't know anything else. Right. I mean, they don't know anything about Sarasota and then they come here and they're, they're just blown away. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, it's a, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's good. I'm happy. But, uh, you know, I think the, the days of a quiet drive, you know, maybe in January, you know, maybe those days are over. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's good for our business, and I think it forces a lot of the local um, establishments to raise the bar. I think mm-hmm. we're, as a result of these new people moving here, we're getting you know, better stores, better restaurants, um, you know, better services. And not Mm -hmm. that we had bad services, but, um, you know, I think they're definitely improving with, you know, with this influx of this new uh, clientele. Totally agree. Yeah. And it, and I get nostalgic. I mean, I haven't been here quite as long as you have, but I've definitely been here long enough to see some profound changes over time and changes to the skyline and just kind of the, the way of life and the vibe here. I mean, I'm sure you can recall better than I can when Main Street really consisted of a bunch of thrift stores and <laughs> secondhand shops. And, you know, I think Gator Club was the only bar slash, you know, I, I guess it wasn't even a restaurant, just bar, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, you know, when I was in high school, um, this, this would have been in the in the late 80s or mid 80s, uh, a girl we went to high school with, her parents, um, I don't know, moved out of town for business, and she was in her senior year, and uh, they wanted her to still finish her college experience here, so, so she they rented her a... Uh, a room in the orange blossom okay. which is you know it's a condo now mm-hmm. but back then it was an apartment building and i want to say and if i remember right i want to say it was like 180 dollars a month or something uh, and literally you would not go downtown after dark unless you were going to go to there was a bar right across the street called the sports page okay mm-hmm. um and that was there um there was a, a shopping center where uh, I think it was called Moz Brothers or something, where you would buy your clothes where the movie theater is right now. Mm-hmm. And and that was it. And mm-hmm. so downtown was not only dead, it was kind of sketchy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, times have certainly changed, that is for sure. When we did Burns Court, um, I remember I thought that, uh, you know, that was 2004. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was a really... Uh, questionable move um, <laughs> and and maybe progressive and mm-hmm. uh, to think that someone would want to pay you know at the time record setting prices it we broke the $500 a square foot mark in 04 which was unheard of for That's a right. downtown mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. and you know so nervous and I think we ended up selling the project out in less than a month, I mean, it was a couple weeks, and mm-hmm. you know, which um, I was worried for no reason. But again, um, you know, the idea of living downtown was just not very common right, right. back then. And and mm-hmm. you know, it's if I only knew the trend, you know, I would have borrowed and bought everything I could downtown. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty, but you know that that's a cool project, and it um, it's still it's very well done in terms of being timeless and desirable presently still you know it doesn't look like it's something that is from a certain time period or anything it's a really really great project so congrats on that one yeah thank you thank you and we uh i think 
recently we've had some sales that are now approaching a thousand dollars a foot yeah. so mm -hmm. that's uh it's it's come it's come a long way right there are some high rises downtown uh, around two thousand a foot now i mean it's just out of control so yeah. we'll we'll see how this all plays out <laughs> time time will tell so, um, you know, one thing I'd be curious to know a little bit more about is how, how the, the operation is comprised in terms of staff and things like that. If you, if you know offhand, you know, kind of the size of your staff and, and how you think about operations, maybe I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about the business side of things, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. So um, we're, we operate a little, let's start with Westwater Construction on mm -hmm. that side. We're, we're a little different than most of the... Um, other general contractors in Sarasota and and by the way that we actually um, self-perform a lot of the work mm -hmm. and we you know I found that when we decided to uh, uh, you know kind of refocus uh, our energies on this renovation market um, you know we have so many of the condominiums that were built 10 12 15 years ago downtown that weren't really built to the highest standard and today they're ready for a facelift. Mm -hmm. And then we also have brand new condos. Like we've done three projects in the brand new Ritz mm -hmm. and two of them, we more, well, definitely one, we literally gutted everything that was done and started over. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the level of clientele that's moving here isn't, isn't happy with the developer um, fit and finish that comes with some of these units. Right. So in order to, um, you know, to really perform this work effectively, you have to do it with your own employees. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it requires not only employees that um, are craftsmen, but it requires cleanup people. It requires um, drivers. So we, you know, we have um, special trucks and trailers and things that we can get into tight spaces. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just, uh, you know, when you talk about demoing a penthouse unit literally down to nothing, you know, you can't just bring a dumpster, you know, twice <laughs> right. a day and set it out in front of the Ritz-Carlton. It right. doesn't work. <laughs> right. So, you know, we have to use trucks and trailers in order to accommodate this. Um, we purchased certain equipment that works well within this environment and um so that's that's something that you know we're still we're still learning but we have it down pretty well on how to get in and out of downtown sarasota get in and out of the like longboat key uh where we have um you know we're, we're doing multiple projects um on the renovation side on high rises and then um you know with regard to new construction uh you know we don't need as many of our um, hands-on employees that self-perform because we can use subcontractors. Sure. Um, it's hard to get a subcontractor to show up to a job that you can only work f seven hours a day. You mm. can't find parking. If mm. you do find parking, you get a parking ticket if you don't move every two hours. You know, there are a mm -hmm. lot of obstacles. So there's a cost associated with it. So, um, you know, we found self-performing a lot of these things adds value to our clients. And uh, quite frankly, it's it's really the only way to get this work done. Yeah, that makes good sense. Um, and then, uh, so we have a, approximately 25 employees in, within Westwater. And that's from management to um, superintendents, project managers, uh, you know, labor. Um, we have an accounting 
some some of our employees are remote, like our mm-hmm. uh, CFO, and then we have another account, and they're off-site. They just come in every once in a while. Um, and then in our uh, design company, um, we have a few of the employees that work for both Westwater Construction and the design business, Villa Moda. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we overlap um, labor on some of the, on, you know, on some of the services that we offer, but uh, I don't see, you know, we are hiring right now, but I don't know that, uh, you know, it's um, it's very difficult, as you know, to hire mm-hmm. talent, and you know, we're, we constantly are searching, but uh, I would say in the next twelve months, you know, we could maybe go up to thirty employees, but I don't, I don't know that we want to grow any more than that. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what, um, I guess, would you say, um, wh- where do you think that, that the market is going, <laughs> which is something we all, um, you know, we, we all take a stab at here, but I know that you're, you're in, a, in a different segment of the market than a lot of uh, the realtors that are in the marketplace and things, you know, just the, the type of inquiries that you're getting for new construction and renovations and things, do you see this kind of still ramping up and a lot of enthusiasm or where do you see this going? So that's, that's a great question. And I'm, you know, being the old guy in the room, I guess, and have gone through, you know, multiple recessions, um, you know, they're all different Mm -hmm. and they all, some of them take longer to start. And then sometimes literally at the snap of a finger, you're just out of it. And, Mm -hmm. um, so what's different about this time in Sarasota is that, you know, a lot of what we see is, is not financed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not seeing speculation. And if I am seeing speculation, it's done by professionals. And I don't mean over leveraged professionals. I mean, right. it's just parked wealth. I call that wealth preservation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I see that trending towards Florida now where people know that if they you know, park $10, $15 million on a waterfront house, that it's probably not going to go down in value. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I feel like that um, I think the demand is going to um, be strong for the high end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, depending on interest rates, which I think it's inevitable they're going to go up. Um, the price of oil, which, you know, it goes up and down. I think some of the um, market housing, um, some of those areas may be affected, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't see anything like what we saw in 2007, 8, and 9, nothing like that. Um, You know, again, it's just, it's a, this, what, what I feel will happen if the market housing, you know, starts slowing down here, well, there'll be other people moving here that are wealthy enough to pick Mm -hmm. that up at that level. Right. That's very similar to what we're seeing. And I totally agree. I think that was very well said that it just seems like the demand is different this time. And it's, it's definitely more well capitalized. You know, there aren't people that are having to force, have forced hands that are making knee jerk decisions based on the environment out there. You know, this is definitely a different class that's coming around (laughs) this time. So it's good. It's great to see. 
Yeah, I'd, for sure. I'd like to um, kind of change, switch gears completely a little bit because, of course, we have lots of customers moving here from somewhere else. And uh, one of the things that people are really enthusiastic about right now is getting into our, our boating lifestyle, um, maybe taking up fishing as a hobby, things like that. And, and I really can't think of somebody who, who's as avid of a boater and fisherman as you are. I mean, you're like at the, the absolute top of the, the fishing hobby, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, taking it to a whole nother level. So maybe, you know, share, have you been fishing your whole life? And, and tell us a little bit about, you know, boating around here and fishing and be great to <laughs> learn more from your perspective. Yeah, so, um, so I, I have been fishing my entire life. Uh, father introduced me to it uh, at, a, at a very young age probably three or four years old mm -hmm. and uh, they used to rent a uh, dock at Golden Gate Point okay which um, I think again that was an apartment complex yeah um, and they had a sailboat and so uh, you know uh, my father was a school teacher so I would follow him I you know after school I would go to the boat with him and you know we as boaters, we work on our boat all the time, right. <laughs> especially having an old sailboat. So while my father would work on the sailboat, I would I would uh, just walk the docks and fish. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, while my father um, taught me to fish, he wouldn't. I wouldn't say he was an avid sportsman with regard to that. He was more of a. There was a point in his life when he actually lived in Alaska and uh was a was a teacher and actually a principal and literally had to fish to survive <laughs> wow but um you know he knew enough to teach me the basics so uh you know i started at a young age i will say that um you know this is this is in the early 70s and a lot of people you know they ask well what was the water like back then compared mm. to what it is now and yeah and were there more fish and so the funny thing is um the answer is no. Mm, um, interesting. The water quality is actually better now than I think it's it's ever been, especially as I was a kid. Mm. And there are a lot of reasons why it's better, mm -hmm. which I can go into a couple of those. But the fishing's better because um, I think this is in the must have been in the '80s. I can't remember exact. I have to look it up when we're finished. But yeah. Uh, there was a big net ban that went in place mm, and mm -hmm. this net ban um, was targeting commercial fishermen and and it targeted uh, guys that go out in these mullet boats but they weren't just catching mullet mm -hmm. they were catching mackerel snook and pompano and everything else that mm. um, swam in the water and they mm -hmm. were just crushing the 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 bay life and the sea life which as everyone knows it starts in the bay and then goes offshore right and so literally this thing passed and um the fishing just got tremendously better and then on top of that the water quality got better and right. you know mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that when you see a new building going up in downtown sarasota for example that that building has to um not only collect, but purify and hold any of its runoff, and then on a timed basis releases it into the bay, mm, which that water is actually more or less drinkable hmm. versus a building that was built in 1980 in downtown Sarasota where 
the rain came and just washed the oils and whatever was on the asphalt right into the water, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, untreated. Right. Um, they also implemented a fertilizer ban, which uh, is, you know, gone now to say that, you know, it's it, it keeps some of the algae growth and things down. So, mm -hmm. so the water quality, I know we've had some bad red tide events every once in a while, but mm -hmm. in this area, the water quality is, is 10 times better. And I, and I'll tell you that one way it's just the environment. It's like the scallop populations coming back in the bay Yeah. every year there, there will be some guides while they're not fishing for this. They catch bonefish in the bay or in the pass. Is that well, right? Well, bonefish like clear water. Okay, around here, I hadn't heard that before. Well, it's wow. not it's not common, but yeah. they, they, every huh. year bonefish are caught. So, okay. you know that tells you that Mother Nature's saying, "Hey, things are getting better here. The fish are moving up from the south." So, mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully this trend continues with the clean water. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, so that's that's inshore and then offshore. Um, there have been some great things that have been implemented, like uh, long lining has been banned, which is, uh, you know, where we would have foreign vessels coming in from all over from other countries, not just local, mm -hmm. letting out as much as 60 miles of fishing line with hooks every, you know, five feet, catching everything that's alive, mm -hmm. you know, tuna, swordfish, That's that would be what they want, mm -hmm. but they catch many other things with it so that has been banned in the gulf also that happened i think uh, in the 90s mm -hmm. and uh the swordfish population offshore has just exploded as a matter of fact uh in tournaments now they've had to change some of the rules because people would catch so many swordfish mm. um they had to lower the points you get for that just for oh, example wow. And, you know, so when we're talking about fishing, some people have their idea for me, it's usually around inshore, but you go on some serious missions <laughs> out into the Gulf. And I know that, that some other people watching this would probably aspire to do that as well. I mean, what, what is the, the typical like offshore trip for you? I know it's, it's typically overnight, isn't it? Cause you're going so far. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's not for everybody as I get older, I, you know, I, 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 I notice I wear out a little little more than before, but, you know, we go out to the continental shelf, which, um, you know, the Gulf on our coast is relatively shallow until you get out to about 115, 120 miles. Mm -hmm. And then very rapidly, it goes from 600 feet to uh, about 10,000 feet deep, so like two miles. And then in, in some spots, the Gulf, I think the deepest spots in the Gulf are about 14,000 feet deep. So mm -hmm. it gets very deep. And where we fish is the, is that drop. It's like a, it's like a mountain that's going, you know, you're going down the valley and those are the areas that we typically fish for, mm -hmm. you know, offshore fish that people, many people don't know are here, but mm -hmm. you know, as people would call it mahi, wahoo, mm -hmm. uh, a couple different types of tuna, um, uh, blue marlin, white marlin, sailfish, and of course swordfish. So right. mm -hmm. uh, the fishing's phenomenal out there, but it's, you know, it takes a commitment, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of what I would say uncharted territory. It doesn't have a lot of fishing pressure mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's typically a summer fishery, not because the fish aren't there in the winter, but the, the seas tend to be calmer. Right. 
And, and what kind of equipment do you need to get out? Because, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, um, you're using like a fuel bladder of some sort to give you extra range. And I mean, what, what's some of the gear and, and boat rigging and everything that's, that's required to, to carry out a mission like that? Yeah, so, um, you know, with the advent of all these crazy center consoles with lots of outboards, um, you can get out there in that kind of vessel, but I, I don't really recommend it, and they're not they're not really made for that. Mm -hmm. um, it's typically an inboard diesel type boat, and uh, you know a life raft is a must, an EPIRB is a must, um, and uh, you really need to be able to sustain yourself when you're out there because even with all the modern technology where you can tell the wave heights and the weather, they're always surprises, and when you get out that far in the Gulf. Um, you can actually get weather uh, not just from within the Gulf. So if there's a storm event happening in the Caribbean, well, those waves get sent through the Yucatan Channel and come right through the Gulf. So mm. it can create some uh, scary situations, especially if a wave's moving in the opposite direction of the wind and the normal wave you know, frequency that's happening. Mm -hmm. And what's kind of, what, is there any like uh, scary you know, hair, hairy situations that come to mind you could share out in the Gulf? Or <laughs> well, I've had, I've had a couple um, weather-related ones, but, um, you know, I've also, we, we had a pretty crazy event one night. Uh, we were, uh, there's a weather buoy that's off of uh, Sanibel Island. And okay. It's about 210 miles off Sanibel. And it's a huge weather buoy. It's it's a disc. It's about, uh, I think it's about 40 feet in diameter. Wow. And you can literally tie a boat up to it. It's in about 10,000 feet of water. Hmm. And it's on a huge um, chain where it literally moves depending on the current. And it can move like a half a mile. <laughs> so just because you put it in your GPS doesn't mean you're going to find it. So we were... Um, we were fishing in a tournament. I think it was the uh, Sarasota Slam. This probably was uh, maybe 2004, 2005. And uh, there were other boats on the buoy too. And there were so many that we decided to just drift away and fish. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were sword fishing. And um, I, I decided to go. Everybody went down to sleep and one guy was up on the watch. And uh, he I hear him yelling, say, hey, come here, come check this out. And uh, I come up from the cabin, and he sh there's this huge um, squid that's, that's by the boat. Hmm. And But as I go to look at it, I look up, and I see lights right in front of our boat, like a ship's going to hit us. Oh, my and gosh. So we, we had radar on. And uh, it was so close, the radar wasn't picking it up. So I immediately started the motors, got on the radio, calling this vessel. And as soon as I called the vessel, the lights on that vessel went dark. Really? And so we had a pretty sophisticated radar on this boat back then with MARPA, which it's a tracking uh, program where you can track a vessel and it gives you the coordinates and its speed and bearing and all that mm -hmm. so i immediately start tracking this thing and it starts moving away slowly and stops and then all of a sudden we see what looks like lights being deployed off this boat like little lights hmm. 
and they still aren't answering. And I not only was calling them on the radio, but I was calling them on our paler. Uh, yeah. You know, because we kind of didn't know what was going on. And then I thought, when I saw the lights, I thought, oh, it's the Coast Guard, and they're sending a, a rib out. They're going to board us. Well, then, all of a sudden, the little lights go out, and this thing starts moving. And, and it's like 10 knots, like 20 knots, like jumps to like 40 knots. No way. Now, all of a sudden, like 50 knots. And that's like over, this is a yeah. big boat. It's over 60 miles an hour. And I shut my boat off and it's silent. And huh. so anyways, this thing just goes out, off the radar. And we all just kind of looked each other, looked at each other and said, what was that? <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it was obviously some military craft or something. And mm-hmm. they were probably playing with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but... Uh, still kind of scary that that <laughs> that technology existed in like 2004 2005 mm-hmm. wow that's amazing that's a pretty <laughs> cool story well, i don't know if we encouraged anybody to go fishing or not <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, no one but, got hurt <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean there's some amazing adventures to be had in in the gulf coast and um you know with with as many people moving here and hoping to get in into the boating lifestyle do you, do you have any recommendations for maybe first time boaters that are trying to figure out what to do around here <laughs> You know, I, I, I love seeing new boaters in the water. The only thing I can say is I, I highly recommend um, taking a uh, Coast Guard-type class, number one, yeah. and learn the rules of the road. And, uh, you know, it's it's so important to know that. And then if you're not a boater, I think it's, it's very important to hire a professional captain, or if you have a friend, let them take you out in your boat, whether it's a 16 foot center console or it's a 60 foot cruiser Mm -hmm. and and really teach you about boating and 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 you know how your boat's going to react and about weather because Mm -hmm. i see a lot of um you know near misses and and some careless behavior that's not intentional Mm -hmm. but it's it's just it happens and uh you know i i you know, if, if you go buy a, an airplane, right, and let's mm-hmm. just say you go spend a, a million and a half dollars on an airplane, well, you can't just go fly it, right? right. you got to be licensed. <laughs> you have to get checked out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a little surprising to me that you can go spend a million and a half dollars on a boat that mm-hmm. goes very fast and, and can hurt people, including your passengers, with, you know, someone running it that, um, you know, doesn't have experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, true. I think boating should be fun. And um, I just think I, I say easy does it and, you know, take your time. And, you know, Sarasota is a great place to you can boat year around here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Or <laughs> I think we, uh, we, we covered a lot. Um. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, what would be the best way if somebody wanted to learn more about Westwater construction or maybe reach out to you? Is, uh, is there an email that you'd like to share? Or, um. Yeah, they can, they can go to our website and mm-hmm. they can, uh, it's, it's westwaterconstruction.com mm-hmm. and there is an info tab on that. Perfect. And, uh, you know, they can always, uh, feel free to come by our office, uh, you know, we we like to have an appointment, but um, sure. You know, uh, we're we're always looking for more challenges, and uh, you know, we uh, we're we're here in Sarasota for uh, 
for the long haul. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming today, for being the first uh, guest in the new studio here, and uh, really appreciate your time and this conversation. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while now, so really appreciate you, buddy. Thank you.